Make an impact on your interactive marketing through performance, advertising, community outreach, and technology. Be captivated by the people who are leading the wave of change in the online marketplace. This is who AdTech is. Your weekly radio show. Get behind the scenes with industry giants. Be privy to the insider track. Witness the newest technologies. Make sure you're in the scene each week with AdTech Connect. You're connected now with your host. Hello, everyone. This is Susan Bratt, AdTech's chair, and your host for today's AdTech Connect radio show. I have uh, a very international crowd with me today. Um, First, we're going to start with, and it's it's a triple dip on CEOs, actually. We're going to start with Peter Figueredo. He's going to correct me as soon as he gets on. I've called him Peter forever, (laughs) staying away from his last name as much as possible. He's the CEO and co-founder of Net Exponent, a terrific company based in New York. And then you'll hear from Nigel Morris, the CEO of Isabar, and Vivek Bargava, who is calling in from India today and is the founder and CEO of Communicate2. So we're going to get a global perspective on what's going on in digital marketing today. I'd like to bring Peter on and say good morning. Are you with us? I'm with you. Good morning, Susan. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing fine, and I would never dream of correcting you. Oh, God. You have to. Is it Figueredo? Figueredo, yeah. You got All it. right, good. I just get nervous, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for coming on the show. I've, I've relied on you, you know, I, I, in, in programming ad tech conferences, I've really relied on you as the source for my affiliate marketing knowledge, and you've continued to help guide us along in making sure that we get that subject covered appropriately. And it's definitely evolved over the years, but I think you know a lot more than affiliate marketing, and I wanted to just get a bit about what NetExponent originally was as a, as a concept agency and how it's evolved. So tell us all about that story. Sure. Uh, well, uh, myself and the other founder of NetExponent uh, first uh, began working together at a uh, small but now uh, pretty famous ad agency called iTraffic. Right. And iTraffic was one of the premier online advertising agencies. And over there, we did a lot of performance-based marketing deals, uh, strategic partnerships, alliances, you know, pretty much anything because the, the web was still uh, Wild West back then. Uh, and that was around, you know, 95, 96, 97. Uh, and... Um, you know, since then, we decided to really branch into affiliate marketing. It was an emerging field at the time. Uh, you know, BeFree and LinkShare were around. Commission Junction had just recently launched. Uh, so it was still a very new field, and, and we were excited to get involved. Uh, and we started running affiliate programs uh, while at iTraffic. Uh, and then after uh, a little while, we decided to branch off and start a specialty agency focusing on affiliate marketing, taking the uh, great client service knowledge that uh, we had acquired over at iTraffic and the agency perspective and deep roots over there, uh, and, and really focusing on the practice of performance marketing and specifically affiliate marketing at first, and then really branching into more media partnerships and search marketing uh, over the last couple of years as well, and rolling that up into one complete package that we can offer to a client. So what made you think that you could start an agency that was solely focused on affiliate? Why did you think that that one little tiny discipline was enough to run a business? Well, what we saw in the industry was that, for the most part, affiliate the affiliate marketing channel offers the most efficient means of acquiring customers online. Uh, with as little risk as possible to the advertiser. Yep. And 
when, at, at the, the days when the bubble burst, you know, everybody was jumping out of the space and cutting budgets and cutting budgets. But what we saw was none of the affiliate marketing budgets were getting cut because they were all guaranteed efficiencies. Okay. So we saw a lot of potential there to really provide a service that would be a, one of the foundations of a client's online marketing campaign. What we also saw was that there was very little expertise in the area. There was very little people that knew how to run affiliate programs, and some of the best people were working directly on the client side. So from an agency perspective, there weren't any agencies out there that offered affiliate marketing services other than iTraffic when we were there. And we figured, okay, this is a great standalone service that, that we can really run with. Um, we can you know, structure the company how, how we want to be structured, which would allow us to be more efficient uh, and, and take more performance pricing with clients, but still give the same level of client service that, that uh, you know, big brand clients are used to seeing. Uh, and we immediately found that clients were very receptive. Uh, either they wanted to get involved in affiliate and didn't know anything about it, they were already involved, but they wanted to grow it, and they didn't know exactly how to do that or where to find the resources because hiring talent to do this was very different. Um, and, and one of the major things that, that really drove it home for us was being on the agency side prior and doing media buying and things like that, the role of a media buyer is very different than the role of an affiliate marketer. And an affiliate marketer, you're essentially a seller because the publishers have to take on 100% of the risk. Mm-hmm. And we have to essentially go out in the marketplace, find the appropriate publishers to work with our clients, and sell them on the fact that they should take 100% of the risk to work with our clients and at least test campaigns because it's going to work out, because we think their revenue is going to be worthwhile. But on the traditional agency side or traditional online agency side, I should say, you're you're buyers and you're pretty much sitting back waiting waiting for publishers to beat down your door and try and sell ad space to you. So it's a very different discipline, and we figured uh, we wanted to keep the skill set separate and and, build out uh, uh, the company focused on that discipline. And it's worked out great for us. You know, I never thought about that before, but it really does make sense. One of the biggest issues in growing an affiliate program is getting more and more people into your network that are willing to partner with you. It's very, it's very much a partnership, isn't it? And I have a question for you about that. I think, I think it would be really helpful if we just set the bench here and said, in a, in a kind of a Gerberized way, what affiliate marketing is. Just give one example to explain it to our listeners. Sure. Uh, affiliate marketing in philosophy should be a win-win relationship between advertisers and publishers. Uh, and essentially the easiest comparison and the most common comparison that people make in the industry uh, are, are the comparison between an affiliate program and, and Salesforce, where your affiliate network essentially becomes your online sales force. You recruit online salespeople or affiliates that will agree to market your products and services on a total performance basis, meaning means- they only get paid if they drive a customer or they drive a lead or whatever metric you're using to reward them. Uh, so for the advertiser, it, it, it's a guaranteed cost per uh, efficiency because they're basically dictating we're going to pay all of our people, all of our affiliates or salespeople, uh, X dollars for every transaction that they drive. And for the affiliates, they're out there. They can use some innovative uh, tactics to work with these advertisers, and uh, they they make some pretty good money and good commissions. And these might be sites that may not normally appear on a media plan, may fly under the radar, may not be big enough to garner CPM dollars, or may just have built their business around uh, working in an affiliate channel as opposed to trying to get CPM dollars for their ad space. So it's essentially putting out, well, let's just make make it the most simple thing you can possibly do, and that is you create 
a banner. Now, you usually have quite a few different things, banners, buttons, etc. And uh, you make those available to a publisher. The publisher puts them on their website. And when a customer of theirs clicks through to your site and does whatever you've mutually agreed upon, like buy something or sign up for something or whatever it is, that transaction, then you pay that publisher the agreed upon fee. Correct. That's exactly okay. right. And then you can get real fancy, but that's the basics, right? <laughs> no, you, <laughs> and you, and you do get real fancy. The, now, the, a couple of things. Yep. One, one of them is that you've got to have the money. You've got to know the value of that person coming to you from that publisher and doing that transaction. Once you get that dialed in, it, it has to be some decent amount of money, pretty typically, um, because I noticed that the companies that are big affiliate, the publishers that are big affiliate producers, if you will, they expect to make anywhere from 10 to 30 or 40 or 50 dollars on a transaction isn't that correct it, it, it's definitely correct it, it, they really do the publishers evaluate the metrics but i think the way that publishers nowadays evaluate the metrics are not so much on what they need to make per transaction it's basically what they need to make per click so the publishers will back out the revenue numbers that they make from any affiliate marketing program and essentially try to evaluate it on a level playing field by using a per-click metric. Because by using a per-bounty or you know, a, a transaction met- method of, a, of comparing different affiliate programs, it's, it's not apples to apples. Uh, for example, one, uh, three different credit card marketers may be wanting to attract the same affiliates, and they may each have a very different sign-up process for their cards and they may each be paying a very different bounty. So there's too many variables in there for an affiliate to say, well, I can make $30 with credit card marketer X, or I can make $40 with credit card marketer Y. It doesn't mean you should go with the $40 deal, because it may be twice as easy to sign up people for, you know, for the first credit card marketer. So what affiliates have learned to do is essentially boil down all of their programs that they participate into into an easily digestible metric. And on average, it's their effective cost per click. How much money are they earning per click? Mm-hmm. And what and is that typically? That. What's the range that you see out there? Uh, it, it, it's, it's a pretty big range. Um, you know, it can be anywhere from, uh, you know, $10 to $30. It's going to be different per category. But it's it is. a lot it's easier expensive. to see a pattern. It's not $0.50. Cents. It's 10 bucks, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, it's expensive. It very effective. Yeah. Uh, you ha- you have to, if you want to be in the affiliate business. Well, one of the things I learned when trying to use the affiliate channel, which which we did successfully, mm-hmm. um, we used the affiliate channel when we launched Mailblocks, which was an email service similar to Google. It was kind of pre Google Mail, pre Gmail. Um, AOL bought it, and we were trying to sell ten dollars subscriptions, at, you know, ten dollars a year to get this kind of email service, and we we really weren't successful because. We didn't have enough money. Our product wasn't priced high enough to have enough money to pay the affiliates. I mean, we would have given them 100% of the fee to really be in the game because we had to compete with other things they could be selling from, phone companies, credit cards, the dieting services. I mean, there are a lot of products out there in the the $40 to $150 a year subscription range that uh, are more profitable for affiliates. So you do need to think about that if you're in this space, right? Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, you bring up an interesting um, point that uh, I'd like to build on. We, we've had tons of experience in the subscription space, um, dealing with advertisers like the New York Times, Financial Times, and, you know, current clients like Audible.com. 
You know, so subscription model is a very unique challenge in the affiliate space because a lot of times you do get people walking in the door and saying, okay, what, am I, what, what is this customer going to be worth to me month one? But they neglect to calc in the value of average lifetime value. You know, how, how long are these customers going to stay on? Um, and then readjusting based on retention rates and actually tracking retention rates through the affiliate channel. Uh, too many advertisers get involved that are subscription marketers and pay the value of month one, and, and a lot of times that's not a lot of money, and it can't, they can't attract affiliates. Mm-hmm. When, uh, you know, if they actually looked at some of the data, they'd see, okay, on average, affiliate channel will drive people that stay on for four or five months, so we can, you know, pay more than what we thought. We don't just look at month one. We've got to look at what's the four or five-month value of a subscriber, and then the value that you can place on affiliate commissions is much higher, and your program becomes much more attractive. And when you talk about the affiliate channel, um, you speak about that as being an entity. And I think what you're saying is the, commi- the, the affiliate channel is um, managed by these independent third parties like Commission Junction, Be Free, LinkShare. Is that, is that kind of what you mean, or do you just mean the concept of affiliate? I'm more talking about the concept of affiliate. Uh, okay. You know, the, it's similar to where you would say, you know, the search marketing channel. Uh, you know, the, the okay. affiliate marketing channel is really, uh, you know, in my mind, this entity – uh, that's made up of affiliates, technology companies that, that provide tracking, such as LinkShare and BeFree and, and CJ that you mentioned, uh, and, and then the advertisers in the mix and, and, and the management solutions, such as NetExponent or you know another entity that, that may be managing programs for advertisers. Um, let's talk about some of those resources. For example, um, with Commission Junction, which everyone now calls CJ, BeFree, LinkShare, who, who are the other players? Are they just like, like the three and that's it, or are there a lot of players in this market? Um, they are, you know, they're definitely um, three of the biggest players. Now, BeFree's, uh, BeFree and Commission Junction are both owned by ValueClick. Okay. So essentially, they're integrated now. They're, they're both kind of considered Commission Junction. Okay. Um, so there's LinkShare, there's Commission Junction. Uh, there's also a company called Performix, which was acquired about, uh, I guess, two years ago by DoubleClick. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, uh, you know, they're still in the game. Uh, you know, they kind of have a slightly different model than Commission Junction and what is uh, it? LinkShare. Sorry? What is it? What's the different model? Um, they're not trying to blanketly take in tons of advertisers and work with any affiliates that are out there. They're much more selective with the affiliates uh, that they allow into their network, and uh, they, they seem to be a little more selective with the advertisers that they work with, uh, whereas LinkShare and Commission Junction will have you know, 10 times as many advertisers uh, as Performix. Um, they're kind of a, the clearinghouses. Yeah, yeah, you know, they're kind of the default where everybody pretty much knows they can go to them and they make the process pretty um, uh, pretty streamlined. You can sign up, you can run your own program, the costs are very minimal, things like that. Um, and then there's even off-the-shelf technologies that you can acquire and either have them host remotely or you can put it on your own servers and manage your own affiliate program internally so that it would look like the advertiser's branded program. You wouldn't know that there's any other outside system involved and. Those are companies like Direct Track or My Affiliate Program, uh, you know, kind of off-the-shelf technology. So it goes everywhere from the small private off-the-shelf guys to the large, uh, you know, uh, uh, ubiquitous networks uh, to kind of specialty companies uh, that, that uh, you know, focus in on, uh, you know, a little more, try to focus in a little more on quality than, than quantity. Now, if... Um if you use one, you can use the other. A lot of times, affiliate marketers are involved in two or three different of these companies, right? Like CJ and LinkShare. Um, actually, no. Uh, there are, uh, you know, th- there are some people who will use maybe an off-the-shelf technology and one of the larger networks. Okay. But 
for the most part, uh, the uh, contracts involved with some of the networks prohibit you from working with others. Um, LinkShare oh, really? in particular, yeah, LinkShare in particular doesn't uh, allow you to work with uh, you know other people in the space. And and you know it's it's nuances that I don't know if you want to get into in the call, but uh, there there are valid reasons why they have that uh, that outlook. Um, I'll quickly tell you that some of the networks out there, some of the affiliate programs that you can use out there, don't readily provide the affiliate contact information. And basically that means you're working with a whole bunch of sites, but you don't really have their contact information. You know who they are, but you don't have their, say, email or phone number for everybody, uh, maybe some of the people in the network. And then there's guys like LinkShare who pretty much divulge every piece of their contact information for every one of their sites. And, you know, it's, you know, it's definitely understandable why they wouldn't want you working with all their competitors and then kind of sharing all that information across different competitors. They feel that there's a lot of value in their network and the contacts that they've built up. That makes sense. Now, is there a particular one that you work with at NetExponent? Uh, we actually work with uh, a variety of different providers. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, from our standpoint, we're technology independent. Yep. Um, we'll pick and choose the right technology for our clients. Um, some might be more appropriate for certain clients. And, you know, we also get a lot of clients who've had programs for years on a platform, don't want to switch. So, it, it, you know, it's definitely advantageous to, to us and them for us to be able to say, yeah, we can work with the uh, current affiliate technology provider you're working with. Uh, so we, we've worked with BeFree, Commission Junction, LinkShare. You know, we've worked with pretty much all, all the guys out there. Now, you have been a speaker at AdTech for years. And in, uh, at the most recent event in New York in November, we had a session called, Damn, I Wish I'd Thought of That, 30 Great Ideas in 60 Minutes. And each person who was involved in that had to give a tip. And you were involved in that. And can you share with the listeners what your tip was? Certainly. Yeah, no, it's definitely been a pleasure to be involved uh, in AdTech and, and see you guys uh, just continuously uh, <laughs> expand the conference and grow. Um, the tip that, that I gave was really related to managing how, your, how advertisers are working with CPA-based ad networks and affiliate programs. And what I found through talking with, um, you know, current clients, prospective clients, you know, pretty much a lot of advertisers out there in the industry is people don't put enough thought into this, where um, CPA ad networks usually appear as a line item on a media plan. And an advertiser can sit there and say, okay, I'm going to pay $60 to an ad network for any transaction that they drive me, because they're going to drive a lot of volume and they're great and uh, whatever. Um, and it's pretty much a no-brainer. On the affiliate side, the advertiser will take the approach of, okay, I'm going to pay $30, and I may pay some sites $40 for a transaction, and some sites $50, and maybe I'll go up to $60 for some, some really large affiliates. And my point in the session was really advertisers need to almost have a reverse approach to how they're handling ad networks, because if they're not managing ad networks properly, what's going to happen is all of the affiliates who normally would work with the advertiser directly are good, just going to go to the ad networks and join the ad networks, and now the advertiser... So you could have an affiliate who's been working with you for years and driving transactions at a $35 rate, and all of a sudden you cut this $60 deal with an ad network, and ad networks blanketly go out there and take publishers from anywhere. All of a sudden, the same affiliate's going to be um, recruited by an ad network and realize, wow, I can get $60 for working with the same advertiser that I'm currently getting $35 for, so I'm just going to change all my volume and run it through the ad network. Ouch. You're not getting any additional volume. You're getting the same volume. You're just paying more for it right now. Got it. Yes, that and makes so, complete sense. Yeah. Um, so, 
Go ahead. I'm, I'm going to cut you off on that one because we're running out of time, and I want to okay. ask you a couple more questions. But that was helpful and a really good perspective and something that, you know, we, were, we need from you. And um, this, this is uh, more more indication of your perspective, and that is that you came up with a great idea for the San Francisco show, for Ad Tech San Francisco, uh, April 26th. You are on a session called How to Grow a Profitable Affiliate Channel. Makes sense. Uh, recruit the best partners for your business. And you and a number of panelists, so Declan Dunn is going to be the moderator, and Sean Collins, yourself, Marissa Levinson from Six Apart, and Amanda Watlington from Searching for Profit are all going to bring to this session ideas for how to manage and grow, all the kind of marketing tips and techniques that it takes to grow your affiliate network. Is that right? Certainly, yeah. We're, we definitely look forward to, uh, to that session. Uh, and, yeah, it, it's really going to be a, a session based on growth. Uh, the affiliate channel has a lot of uh, areas that need to be focused on, such as managing quality and picking the right technology. But for this session, we wanted to focus on growth. How do you attract the right sites? What kind of innovative ways can you, um, you know, recruit new affiliates uh, and then manage them and, and make sure that uh, you're optimizing their volume? Well, um, if people who are listening would like to follow up with you, um, how would you like them to contact you, through your website or directly through your email? Uh, people can contact me either or. Uh, you know, definitely they can go to netexponent.com and, and fill out our contact form, or I'd be happy to take direct emails. Uh, my email address is just peter at netexponent.com. Great. And you're based in New York. So, of course, the question that everyone wants to know is what your favorite latest restaurant is. <laughs> We're looking for restaurant tips. Uh, based in New York, my favorite latest restaurant, I'm a, I'm a huge sushi fan, and there's oh. a restaurant on 43rd Street called uh, uh, Sushi Yasuda, Y-A-S-U-D-A, and the, the sushi there is probably the best I've ever had in Manhattan. So if we come to Manhattan, you'll take us to Sushi Yahuda, which is almost hard to say. You need sake, <laughs> a few cups of sake to say it really well, I think. Yep. Anybody that wants to go to Sushi Yasuda, shoot me an email. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I'll be the first one on the list. All right. <laughs> Peter, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. You have such an unbelievable wealth of knowledge in your vertical, and I'm sure outside your vertical. So thank you for sharing that, giving us a taste of it, and uh, we look forward to seeing you at AdTech San Francisco. No, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Susan. It was great. Thank you. And okay. uh, we'll be back in just a minute with our next uh, guest for the day. Sit tight and don't move. Ad Tech Connect. We'll be right back. For the last decade, millions of visitors seeking top ranking have visited their site. When it comes to the Internet marketing expertise, one name clearly stands above the rest. Bruce Clay Incorporated. With a flexible, time-tested, and spam-free process to SEO and PPC, Bruce Clay has become the number one choice for companies of all kinds seeking to improve their search engine ranking, utilize their latest tools, training, consulting, and services. Let Bruce Clay create a tailored solution to meet your Internet marketing needs today. Bruce Clay Incorporated. E-Com Expo, the virtual trade show for search, affiliates, and interactive marketers, is now completely free for all attendees. Imagine all the benefits of a top trade show coming to a PC near you, April 14th 
4th through the 6th, more than 7,000 of your peers will be there making it the largest trade show for e-commerce marketers in the world. The entire event is 100% online, virtual, and free. So register today at www.ecomxpo.com. A rose by any other name would still be the same. Move over, Shakespeare. You need to differentiate yourself from your competition. Do it by aligning yourself with a company who has earned the trust of Jupiter Media, the NHL, and Lionsgate Films, among others. Moniker.com is the most secure ICANN accredited register on the planet, offering you domain registration, hosting, domain sales, and acquisition services. Wrap that up with 24-7 support. That's your winning combination. M-O-N-I-K-E-R. Com. More than a name. Over 4,000 clients around the world are utilizing effective content-based solutions from InfoSearch Media with the expertise of over 200 professional copywriters to work for you. Studies show that the number one factor visitors consider before making a purchase online is trust. And nothing creates more trust and loyalty than well-written, informative content. High-quality content also generates free search engine traffic. Content is definitely king. Visit InfoSearchMedia.com today. What happens when super affiliates hit the glass ceiling? They develop RevenueGateway.com The ad network developed by super affiliates for the affiliate marketplace. Tap into the most powerful and intuitive system designed for ROI. Exclusive tier one advertisers, highest industry payouts, bonus rewards, and rock sun on time payments. Looking to be creative or need mentoring? There is always someone there for you live 24-7. RevenueGateway.com the secret to your success. Now, back to AdTech Connect, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's your host. Welcome back, everyone. It's Susan Bratton here. And uh, up next, we have Vivek Bargava, the managing director of Communicate 2, among other things, which we'll discover as he comes on the line. Good morning, Vivek. Good morning, Susan. How are you? Still under the weather a little bit today? Uh, Yeah, I think the worst nightmare for a sales guy, getting a cough and cold. I'm so sorry. And you're a busy, busy man. No wonder you've got a cough and a cold. I I know that you're (laughs) the managing director of an Internet marketing company called Communicate2, but I also know that you are a big blogger. You have a blog called SEMblog, and we'll make sure we get that uh, URL out during the show. And uh, you're also involved in another another company called 193, which is a market entry company for, uh, to help companies enter the Middle East and India as well. So you have a lot going on. Actually, the thing is, all these businesses are very synergistic to each other because we are a, primarily a paid search firm, but we focus on developing countries. So being having a presence in the Middle East, Africa, and some of the other places like Bangladesh is extremely important for us <laughs> because we focused on the developing countries. Well, I'm glad you are, and I know that many, many of the, um, the companies that are involved in ad tech are starting to really focus on their global expansion. You know, we, we put our feelers out in 1997 and 1998 and, and unfortunately got, a, got an early footprint but had to pull back based on the crash of our digital economy. Now that it's becoming more and more robust, I, I think that there are going to be many people who'd like to meet with you at the San Francisco show to learn how they can gain entry into India and the Middle East. So I know you'll be there, and you're speaking in three different places at the show, right? <laughs> yes, I am. We're working you hard, huh? 
sort of, but the thing is, I think it's like you're traveling 22 hours by flight. I think it's better you get a chance to meet as many people as possible and share your views. So I guess it's making it worth it. Well, the first thing you're going to be doing is on Wednesday, and you'll be on a panel uh, called Global Digital Marketing Opportunities. Are you going to lay out the market opportunities in India for us on that panel? Sure. I think what I would like to do is not only India, I think the whole of the Middle East, some parts of Africa, there's so many markets out here where there are large firms who have $100, $200 million advertising budgets. Uh, we've been fortunate enough to work with quite a few of the large firms in India, people like Unilevers who are based here for the last 50 odd years, uh, some of the biggest banks like HDFC Bank, ICICI Bank, Kingfisher Airlines. These guys have large budgets. They just started experimenting with interactive marketing or page search to be precise. And uh, they're looking at uh, how they can grow this business. Because the ROI in India, as most of the developing countries, is just amazing. It means I'm pitching for some keywords in UK, and they're costing me £7 a click. In India, I can get them for $0.02 cents a click. At $0.02 cents a click, you can't go wrong. Definitely. Well, you'll see your prices rise as more and more customers bid up the market, I'm sure. I noticed that you used to uh, communicate to, used to be an interactive agency, and now you've focused on page paid search. Why have you made that change? Uh, basically, Susan, when I started this business about eight years back, I always felt that uh, uh, the Internet marketplace is a place where small businesses get a level playing field with the large businesses. Uh, some of the other, what happened with the inter interactive marketing front was that large portals used to have huge advertising budgets needed for people to advertise, and the small guys anyway got left behind. I think paid search is one place where I feel that the level playing field is truly there. Uh, a person can actually have targeted keywords, he can build a long tail. A small person with a small budget, even doing in-house, can actually carve a niche for himself. So this actually is the business is very core to why I started this company in the first place. So I feel paid search is where I feel I would like to be for the next 10 years. And it's also the beginning of contextual advertising. I've been pretty disappointed with the, the way the advertising market has evolved in other mediums also. Advertising has to get contextual, and search is just the beginning of it. Well, if, if anybody is interested in your opinion about in-house versus working with professional firms or large companies versus small companies and their opportunities in search engine marketing, they can go to your blog, which is uh, semblog, S-E-M-B-L-O-G, dot communicate, the number two, dot com, because I know that you have written quite a bit around that subject. <laughs> I think uh, I've... I started a blog pretty late. I just started a couple of weeks back, and I felt that there were so many views that I wanted to express, and uh, I wanted to have a very focused blog, a focused blog on opportunities that exist outside of developed countries, uh, how the market is evolving in these marketplaces. Second thing, even from the global uh, talent point of view, I think in, in India you have people whom you can get for $200 a month to do some basic research that you need, and you also have firms that are charging $800 a day, a man day, for building complex financial applications who can build extremely algorithm-based uh, applications for the paid search industry. So there is a pretty diverse talent available out here, and I feel that m many of the SEM firms in the world have just started using it. There is a long way to go. There are quite a lot of opportunities that people can explore. I hope that I can express some of my views and explore it more. 
Now, what about organic search? I noticed that you're focused on paid search. Are you also incorporating organic search capabilities and site-side management for your clients? Uh, actually, Susan, I'm, I'm, I believe in being quite focused. So we're mainly a paid search company. My issue with organic search per se is I've always seen that organic search is sort of a tug of war. Between it's sort of what? The search engines and the advertisers or people who are working on it. So many times you're not sure whether your client deserves the number one position on the search result. And the thing is, uh, by using whatever brute force or whatever techniques, you're able to get in that position. So I feel that it, it's a tug of war in which when you're fighting with a $130 billion company, uh, over a long-term period, I'm not sure how many people are going to win on that. But paid search is very synergistic to their business model. They support you. And organic search can be done between 10 to 100 keywords. While when I do a paid search campaign, because of certain abilities that we have, we can build a million keywords. If you take misspellings, you take any deviation from the exact keyword that the guy searches for, getting him listed in the top 10 is extremely tough, and it's going to get tougher every day. I think the market size itself shows that I think paid search is a way to go. At least I would lay all my eggs in in the paid search domain. Well, so I hope they all hatch for you, Vivek. Now, you're based in Mumbai. But I know that, at least from the U.S. perspective, there's also a big technology center down in Bangalore, for example. Um, where, why are you in Mumbai? Is that just where you lived and grew up, or do you think that's the center for digital marketing? Where, where are the pockets of opportunity? Uh, see, I always believe that uh, advertising as an industry, per se, would work in the commercial capital of the country. Okay. Mumbai has always been the commercial capital. If you take advertising, I think, where would you base it? Would you base it in uh, Washington or you base it in New York? So it's New York. common sense that copywriters, advertising professionals, creative guys, all the people that I would need in the paid search domain, uh, people who have the ability to think laterally, are, I can find talent easier in Mumbai. They cost more, the real estate is more expensive, but from a pure sense of a business model, I think a good paid search firm, if you really want to hire good creative guys, Mumbai is the place to be. And are you hiring women too? I think uh, <laughs> I think that's a pretty funny question. I think Susan, you must come to India. I think at this point in time, I think uh, except maybe some of the very small cities in India, you don't even think about the gender when you're hiring people. Means nowadays, uh, it doesn't matter. It's like uh, uh, I would be, you know, if this question would have come to me when I was living in Dubai, uh, I would still consider the question as a valid question in some parts of the Middle East. But if you take Dubai, uh, when you enter Dubai itself, 60% of the immigration officers are women. If you go into a mall in Dubai, you'll find everybody dressed as they would be dressed in U.S. or any other country in the world. So the question, there are certain countries in the Middle East or certain towns or smaller towns in India where equality would not be there. So you take every single metro in the whole of India, I think there is no differentiation now. That's good. I'm glad to hear it. Um, the Silicon Valley, where I live, is a meritocracy. Uh, you are based on your talents and capabilities and your brain power. And so I, I agree, and I'm glad to see that that's how it's happening in your market as well. Vivek is um, speaking on Friday at the... Uh, 
on the last day of ad tech on a session called Recruiting and Resource Companion, Hiring and Retaining Talent in the Global Digital Marketing Space. And uh, one of the things that Vivek does is help companies outsource their search marketing. So if you're an American company doing search marketing, you can actually outsource a lot of those kind of ultra-complex campaigns, and uh, he helps you figure out how to build that offshore. Uh, so we will go to break. We'll come back and talk to him a little bit about that. Stay tuned. Sit tight and don't move. Ad Tech Connect. We'll be right back. Boxer shorts or blazer. Come dressed as you are at webmasterradio.fm. And uh, what, what's uh, what's been your highest domain name sale? How much money was it for? It was approximately $144,000. About 150 grand. That's correct. Okay, great. You have had eBay by rent.com and shopping.com for a combined $1.4 billion. Monty, 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 Monty. Monty, 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 Monty. Monty. He's the master of your domain. Monty. Literally, probably 90 days after buying it uh, for $80,000, Interbrew bought it for $7 million. We appraised the property and helped get it sold for $3.4 million. It was the most valuable asset that they had, $6 million or $10 million on a domain name. When we sold autos.com for $2.2 million, people thought it was nuts, too. <laughs> domain Masters, only on Webmaster Radio. Be the master of your domain. Now, back to AdTech Connect, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's your host. Hi, it's Susan Bratton. We're back, and we have Vivek back on the line. So uh, I was letting everyone know what one of the other sessions that you're doing is on Friday, and it's the talent recruiting and outsourcing session. And um, t- just tell everyone about uh, how you are helping companies outsource and, and what you're doing there. See, basically what I believe is that uh, there are certain parts of search that can be automated. In fact, uh, I have a pretty interesting line I was discussing with somebody, which uh, basically was like a takeoff from the MasterCard advertisement. It is like some things in life can be automated for everything else that is in there. So <laughs> the person said that. I like, love that. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> so, you know, like, because the thing is, you know, like, uh, like uh, I have a small entry on the blog uh, where somebody is searching for a certain word. And uh, and the thing is, have you seen an entry which is like, I don't know whether I, want to, I should say it. Because yeah, yeah, like, I had the baby one, right? The buy it cheap yeah. on, on eBay. <laughs> Yeah, you can say that. That's so, no problem. Okay, so like I was searching, like I was doing this research, and like I searched for the word baby and said baby, um, buy it on eBay, and uh, it said uh, new and used. And I said like, you know, <laughs> I know how it happened. You use curly brackets, it happens. But the thing is, there are certain parts of search, if you would have seen an ad like this in outdoor or television or something, you'd be aghast in an ad like this. Or on on page search, you are not aghast because you know, at least at least as a professional, you know why it happened. But there are so many parts of search which I feel uh, may not be appropriate to automate them. So there has to be a balance where you have uh, low-cost locations which work on your search campaigns by automating certain parts of it or using brute force to actually customize each keyword 
at least the expensive keywords to an individual advert. Like we did a campaign where we had 10,000 adverts written for every single top keyword. So if you're bidding for more than $2 for a certain keyword, that keyword deserves a customized advert for it. It gives you a damn good quality score. It gives you a perfect match for your consumer who's searching for you. Some of these things cannot be automated. So there has to be a balance. And I think this is where I feel a synergistic relationship between India and uh, U.S., or some of the UK markets could work very effectively for giving best ROI to the advertisers. I um I agree, and it seems like one of the opportunities for you would be to meet with a lot of the search marketing companies here in the U.S. who are managing some of these ultra-complex search campaigns and uh, potentially be their outsource partner. Is that one of your strategies? Yeah. Actually, the thing is, what we do is there are two or three things as Communicate to we're focusing on. One, obviously, is focusing on the local market. Second thing is helping some of the SEM firms there to target these local markets. If you're doing day parting, you may not be aware that Friday is a holiday in certain parts of the Middle East, while Saturday is a holiday in some parts of Nepal, and Sunday is actually a full working day in both these regions. So oh. the thing is, Local knowledge would help you target global campaigns to the developing countries more effectively if you're working with a firm who has local expertise. Second thing we help them is when we work on building the applications for them or doing offshore work, we work quite transparently with them. So we say, okay, let's, aud- let's get one of the big fives or let's say now big four auditors who's auditing the firm. We work on a transparent basis. You know how much money the offshore entity out here is uh, making or how much they're investing. And then what happens is it allows me to hire talent, which can cost $150 a month, and also talent which costs $4,000 a month. Because now I'm not giving a fixed man-month rate. I'm hiring talent as per what you need them to do. So I have a little uh, twist in the offshore model where the offshore entity is trying to hide things from you and working in a non-transparent basis as compared to working with a transparent basis. That makes a lot of sense, and all of that local market knowledge is so unbelievably invaluable. That that makes total sense to me. Now, I I have a couple of other quick questions for you. We don't have much longer. Um, You're you're also doing a tip at the AdTech Speakers Showcase, so that's the third thing you're doing at the San Francisco Show. And are you going to be available to go to the International Networking Reception at lunchtime on Wednesday, the 26th, after your panel? Susan, I've come in there spending 44 hours in the flight, I'm going to be completely available for everything that you have planned out there. So I'm just coming there so that I can share my views and meet as many people. I think there is an opportunity, not only from Communicate 2's point of view, but from India's point of view. If anything I can do where some of the other Indian firms also get business or can tap into the paid search industry, I would love them to get business. Great. So I would like to share the views from the Indian point of view rather than anything else. And if people want to meet with you, that's a great place to find you. You'll be there. Now, a couple of other questions. You're coming to San Francisco. Have you been to San Francisco before? I've been there about three, four times. Three or four Uh, times. So is there any particular thing uh, that you want to do when you come to San Francisco? I didn't get the question, Susan. What is it? Sure. Uh, When you come to San Francisco... Uh, is there anything yeah. that you want to do besides go to AdTech? Are you going to hike across the Golden Gate Bridge? Are you going to take a cable car? Is there anything that sounds good to you as a visitor? Yeah. Basically, I'm a very avid paragliding pilot, so I trained in Salt Lake City, Utah. And uh, I think some of the places in Frisco are the best places, the best fly- places in the world to fly. So 
um, let me see if I can figure out and get my paraglider along with me. And if I can do one thing, I would love to fly in Frisco. Paragliding, huh? Is that, <laughs> yeah. is that jumping off a cliff? Uh, exactly not. You generally take off before you reach the edge. But I think it tells you, I think one thing that it taught me is they call it a committed run. So you can't be in two minds. So once you decide on something, give it everything you have and make a committed run. So like what we're doing with Communicate 2, with Pace Search, I think paragliding is the one which has inspired me to do a thing where you do it fully with a committed run. So <laughs> I think everything in life teaches you a few things. I love it. And have you heard the term adrenaline junkie? Uh, I've heard of the term. I know what it is. But uh, do you I'm think a very, it might be you? Uh, safe paragliding pilot. I have a glider which cannot... Um, uh, take part in we can't take part in competitions with it's a very hobby based glider uh, there have been times I've climbed up the hill and walked back because I was just not comfortable in flying in those conditions Yeah. so it's like this that uh, you want to do, I've always wanted to fly since I was a kid but I value life much more to take unnecessary risks which you don't want to take so it's a very balanced approach towards paragliding also. Well, I love that unique thing about that we found out about you. And what about um, food? Is there anything that you want to eat when you come to San Francisco? Uh, actually, if you ask me, Susan, what has happened in India or the Middle East in the last five years is from the subways, to McDonald's, to the Taco Bells, to nearly everything that you would get out there, uh, you would get it in India and Middle East. So when I travel to Europe, yes, there are a lot of things that you can get in Europe which are not easy to find in the Middle East uh, or India. But U.S., uh, I would maybe take your word and like maybe try out a few things which are uh, something which you can't get in the rest of the world. But U.S. Uh, companies have been able to move in nearly every single part of the globe. So everything that you guys eat out there, we get it out here too. <laughs> well, Vivek, I'm going to have to take you out for some clam chowder in a, in a sourdough bread bowl, the really good okay. stuff. I'll take we you out to Fisherman's deep. Wharf, and we'll go to Alioto's, and we'll have some cracked crab and some clam chowder. And uh, okay, maybe I done. can convince you that not all American food is McDonald's and Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Plus, I, I think we that. might actually have some pretty decent Indian food here. <laughs> so that's great. Well, just as I wrap up, I wanted to ask you maybe one other thing. Um, do you have an iPod? I have an iPod Nano, which uh, I, I was very... Uh, uh, attached to. Unfortunately, one of my team members wanted it, uh, so I had to give it away. So I'm looking forward to buying a new one as soon as I land there. When you buy a new iPod, what is the first piece of music that you're going to put on it? We'd love to hear your favorite music that you're listening to right now. Actually, I'm pretty uh, crazy about all kinds of music, but like I went to a Brian Adams show just a few days back, and like I'm quite uh, fond of him, so I think I'm going to put all his albums. I'm going to put up this interview for sure. <laughs> Once in a and while, what's I think. The name uh, of the band? Looking Vivek, in the what's the name of the band? So, <laughs> I think that's the second thing that I'm definitely going to put on. Vivek, say the names of the bands. I didn't hear you. Yeah, Brian Adams or um, the Canadian guy, Brian Adams. Oh, Brian Adams, right? Okay. Yeah. He was in Bombay just about two weeks back. Okay. So it brought back a lot of old high school memories. 
and uh, last two weeks I've been humming a lot of his tunes and listening to a lot of him. Fantastic. Well, um, this will be a good cultural exchange because one of my favorite genre, of course, is Bhangra. We listen to a lot of electronica out here, Bhangra-inspired electronica, and um, I just had the great fortune to see someone named Vishal Vaid, who plays um, Ghazal, uh, electronica-inspired Ghazal. Have you ever heard of that? No, actually, I haven't. Actually, That's like uh, northern, music, very far Saudi north, almost Pakistani style, traditional music brought into the next generation. Yeah, so I'll have to share uh, that with family you. Family business, Susan, actually is music. So we've been one of the largest exporters of musical instruments from India for the last 50 years. Wow. We supply guitar wood to Fender and Gibson. We're the sole importers for Fender, Ibanez, uh, and all these makes, uh, Tama drums, pastry uh, cymbals in India for the last... 25, 30 years. Well, so India has music fabulous in instruments. So it's fascinating, all the things you can find out about people. You're a search specialist with your own blog, and you like Brian Adams. <laughs> it's been great to get to and know you, Vivek, to and we really look forward to having you spend those. Thank you for spending 44 hours to come to meet with us. I'm sure that many, many of the listeners on Ad Tech Connect Radio today will be coming to that international reception to say hello to you and to take you out for some clam chowder. <laughs> Have a great day, and I hope your cold gets better, and we'll see you at AdTech. Thanks to everyone for listening today, and uh, we will wrap the show up. Take care, and we'll see you soon. 